And you know, respectfully, Jack, I, I disagree oh, with the points okay. that you were just making yeah. about, um, you know, in my opinion, everyone deserves equal access to health care. Wow. And um, it's your right to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. And you've expressed your opinions very passionately. But um, yeah, okay, so oh. let's get on with the, oh, let, yeah, no, let's um, start the introduction again. Welcome back to another episode of Tasty Pines and Open Minds with your hosts, Riley and Jack. Today we have an awesome episode for you guys. We have an internal medicine resident out of California by the name of Dr. Farhan. Kind of a big deal on the social media platforms as well. Cool, what, 1.2 million followers on TikTok. I don't know if you've heard of it, Mad Medicine. I was a big fan of it leading up to it. Super grateful to him. I honestly just reached out as a shot in the dark and uh, he was... Super happy to come on. Very passionate about the stuff that he talks about. Uh, Jack's going to give you guys a little bit more of a rundown on what we went through in the actual episode. Yeah, our conversation with Farhan was great, and we can't wait to share it with you. He's a great guy, so empathetic, so passionate about what he does, um, and clearly just a great doctor. Um, We talked about creating a platform, doing what you're passionate about, Mm -hmm. and dealing with medical misinformation and cutting through all of the fog. Um, online among a bunch of other things too and so yeah he has a lot of advice to give uh, incoming students and current students as well he talks a lot about how social media plays a big role in information spreading and how you know especially during the pandemic it might have misconstrued some stuff uh we're really excited to have him on here i know we've said that like six times now but it is true (laughs) we mean it He's 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 just the best he means well and everything and his website if you guys want to check it out madmedicine.org it has a lot of uh, merchandise and stuff to buy but also it's really good resource for people who are studying for the mcat step one step two and he said hopefully step three they're in the process of making free educational videos for that so it's essentially a free version of all of these other study resources that cost hundreds of dollars and they, he does it through ad revenue that will keep the site going. Um, and I fully support it. Big time. So without further ado, here's our man, Dr. Fran. You guys are at MGH or are you guys at, uh, working at Harvard? So we're currently UConn students at University of Connecticut, but we're doing a summer at um, the Mass General Lab. That's dope. Yeah. Do you guys work with Dr. He? Shuhan He? I don't think so. Ours is run by oh, Dr. Wow. Um, Sohel Ashkani. You know him? Oh, no, no. So it's really, it's it's crazy, dude. Um, when in my last year of med school, I interacted with this ER doctor. He actually works at MGH in Harvard. Um, and he does, he's the head of the digital media lab at Harvard. And uh, I've been doing research with him. So m- when you guys hit me up, I was like, oh, it might be through Shuhan because he's been like, he's been helping me out with some of the social media research I've been doing. And I was like, that's dope. I'd love to. I no had no way. idea this is completely separate. No, this is completely, this is literally just like, I, I knew you from prior. And I was like, I would love to have him on here and just chat with him a little bit. That's awesome. Oh, shoot. Oh man, okay. That that's even more like mind-boggling to me. It's always <laughs> dang, wow, okay. I'm I'm even more humble. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> of you. course. Dude, I'm excited. Um, you're in Cali right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in um 
I'm in a city called, I'm based off of, out of a city called Riverside, which is about like an hour and a half inland from California. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are both Yukon? Yeah, we're, uh, we're both rising M2s at Yukon Med. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it starts up, dude, we got like less than two weeks. Clock is <laughs> so scared. <laughs> Have you, you, but you guys have been having a good time, like summertime, I would assume. Yeah. yeah it's been a grind but it is it's definitely enjoyable like we could have we could have done worse things that's for sure yeah you could have been doing lab research that's true um, <laughs> i'm not i'll just tell you this right now i have nothing nothing against lab research i think the people who do it are stronger uh thank god for them i just this is not something i can do you know but i do second year i think for you guys um you guys are gonna like it so much better than I did, dude. Because there's it's that yeah. pass fail for a step. You don't have to worry about that stuff. I'm telling you, like that makes the world of difference. Yeah. It really does. So, you guys can just focus on. Yeah, so I was actually I was looking at the um, Mad Medicine website too, and I oh, saw sweet. that you have all of those the tutorial videos, and you have a bunch of like free yeah. material for students going into um, step one, and you had step two stuff, and but do yeah. you have MCAT stuff as well? So yeah, um, with med medicine, it actually started because when I was in second year med school, I was trying to study for a step one and I was having a really difficult time keeping up with the material just because I was tired of the way we were like studying. So for me, what I did was I started making videos really for myself. I made these like lectures just to help me remember the things that I needed to know solely for that one test. Um, but along the way, I also started realizing more and more that these exams, especially as a med student, are very expensive and they're very costly, not just the exam, but the preparation side, because this has nothing to do with your medical education in the sense that med schools usually do not prepare you for the, the step one exam. They more so, they're more so give you all the material and you're supposed to be able to apply that to you know step one. So that means that med students end up getting, you know, additional resources like Pathoma and Boards and Beyond and UO, which are phenomenal. But I realized that you end up marginalizing a part of food, you know, part of like medicine and part of med students who can't afford that. Um, so I was like, why not just make these free lectures for anyone who wants to use them? If they like them, by all means, go ahead. If they don't like them, then they end up the means to purchase, you know, uh, the, the different um, prep resources they can do that too but uh this is just one more tool in everyone's arsenal it's just it's been kind of slow getting everything going because um i was doing this during med school and then you guys will see in your third and fourth year it's a lot more busier than you know uh it is with uh first and second year as you progress you end up losing more and more time so that was one thing that I've been like trying to figure out. But thankfully now we've been wrapping up production and we should be releasing uh, MCAT and step one. And we're currently working on step two. And then the ultimate goal is to be able to create a step three course that's focused just for um, residency. Usually when you start in the beginning of your first year, when you have to take step three. Yeah, that, that's our goal. Um, it's been a little slow, but we're starting to hire like undergrads who are like, you know, who want to talk about like MCAT um, to get them some exposure to and help them like study and at the same time to help them learn how to create content that's educational and also helps people at the same time and helps themselves. Because as you guys might know, one of the best ways to remember things is to learn it and then teach it. Um, that way you end up mastering the materials so that anyone asks you questions, you're ready for those questions.
I think it's it's funny because a lot of people who um, we've talked to that are doing similar things to you, and I, I know Jack and I are almost kind of hoping to do something similar, like providing free um, educational stuff and, you know, just words of advice. And it seems like everyone kind of started in the same way where yeah. you're going through it and you realize that there's this disparity of information in terms of like what each people um, or each program decides to teach you and they make stuff for themselves and then they're like oh wait my friends also benefit from this oh wait more people might be able to benefit from this and it kind of snowballs into something a a little bit bigger so it's been really cool to see what you've been doing too yeah you know that it's it's very interesting i met with um the 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 creator of first date um i got a chance to work with him and um, when we're talking, we were talking about how First Aid got started because, you know, he he was talking about First Aid. He was asking me about Mad Medicine, same thing. And then he told me, he was like, you know, I created First Aid uh, because it was just a companion guide for med students at the time. He just noticed that there was a, you know, a divide or something that's like a need that wasn't being met in the traditional way. So he wanted to just fill that need and lo and behold now first aid is like a humongous company but that's also very helpful right like i mean we all use it. that's a gold standard for any listen for step one that is a gold standard for step two it's, it's it's still the gold standard really so it was just amazing to hear that and i think that's where you see the creativeness of like a lot of people come really to fruition when they take what they enjoy doing which is really like medicine but also help fill in, you know, the other divides, the other needs that are in the field of medicine that usually aren't being met by traditional ways. Um, that's also why, like, the social media platform, I think, for me, did very well because for a while I had been looking at like social media as a tool that we could be using, especially as physicians and even med students. I mean, there's such a humongous need on these platforms, but because medicine is often a uh, slower slowly progressing, you know, um, professional field, we as physicians weren't really meeting that need. Um, so I started posting on social media, on TikTok actually, and I realized there was a humongous demand for people, just a general public for information and knowledge. That was one of the things I really, really loved about it, but it was never being met online. There were not that many active physicians on these social media platforms, mainly because of like the kind of, you know, the association between it being unprofessional and taboo. And also like the traditional players in, in this world were people like, you know, uh, Dr. Oz and like, you know, like other individuals who sometimes can be found upon in the medical community, depending on the circles you're talking about. But it was just one of those things where people were very hesitant to join. And even though we knew there was so many useful things coming out of it. And when I started in 2017, 2018, around that time, um, I noticed very quickly that the growth was, you know, I was growing very fast just because it was like a vacuum of space. That was really what it was. And I still think even now, it's still a vacuum of space because people want to learn. Like if the COVID pandemic taught me anything besides the fact that, you know, diseases can spread really fast and like politics play a very big role in every part of our life whether it's you know personal or medical the simple fact is that uh, on social media people want to learn people want to get information they want to learn more about their body and they want to learn more about like healthcare and human health in general 
they just want to learn it in ways that sometimes is more entertaining for them and it's more relatable for them. And that's where I think uh, bad medicine really helped like grow itself because people found some of the things I was saying interesting. Um, and then also there were some things I found that even I learned along the way that I never knew about. Uh, and it's just, it's a fun, fun thing to do. And it keeps you know everything kind of stable for you. It makes it makes medicine a lot more uh, enjoyable, in my opinion. Yeah, that's um. I mean, so many great points that you brought up. Uh, Riley and I have been pretty lucky too. I mean, besides like shooting our shot and getting to talk to you, which which is still like so crazy. Uh, we we were really fortunate. We got to talk to the creator of Boards and Beyond too. Um, and so just like you, he kind of, he wanted to make this resource, a great resource for people, uh, for students, um, in an affordable way, in an effective way. Um, I think that you, like others, are kind of pioneers in this new way of educating, uh, medical students, like, more effectively. And so, um, there's, like, better ways than just, like, picking up the textbook and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, we, we like so appreciate that. I think there's one thing that you mentioned or we're kind of like alluding to a little bit that I wanted to ask you about. Um, and that has to do with dealing with falsehoods and dissemination of like false information and dealing with other personalities like online um, that also have big followings like yourself, um, but are saying some other things i guess like clickbait stuff yeah 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 we've all seen it i think yeah. at this point yeah i think uh that's that's a part of it's going to be part of your career as physicians no matter what right but i think it, what it really goes down to what it really shows me is the the immense like underrepresentation we have on these platforms right the, the simple truth is the information that we present, the information that you learn as physicians and the information that you are going to go out there and teach your patients, it's going to be scientifically backed, right? You're not going to be going out there and saying, hey, my gut feeling tells me that you have, you know, appendicitis. No, you are going to look at their lipase. You're going to see what is telling you that this patient has appendicitis. And you're going to use evidence-based medicine uh, and guideline-based medicine to be able to, you know, come up with options, come up with a treatment. But that's all based off, based off of science. Um, now with a lot of these people, you know, they might not have a science background. They may have a science background and maybe they know this is very easy to garner a following and make, you know, make it profitable for them. But the simple fact is all of this goes down to a lack of presentation from representation, excuse me, from medical professionals, not just like physicians, but also med students, people who are able to educate the public, you know? Um, and th it just goes down to a lack of that because again, I think it's a vacuum of space and whoever fills up this vacuum of space is going to be successful. What these you know, creators have done very well is that they filled up the vacuum space that people are trying to learn, it, right? So for example, I think you guys have all seen Liver King on uh, TikTok, right? <laughs> now it's entertaining. It's very entertaining. Even I find it very entertaining, right? But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're eating raw testicles. <laughs> don't, don't, eat, don't eat raw testicles. Like right. that's just, don't exactly. do that. <laughs> exactly but then you know this guy has like a massive physique and he's built like a tank and he's you know giving information so there's a certain part of 
uh, credibility he brings to the table that none of us can can you know we can't disagree with really because so if I'm being real with you I'm not built like a tank if you look at me I'm not so you know would I be the person to talk about like exercise stuff probably not but I think there are physicians you know in society there are people who are trained either nutritionists personal trainers who know how to help people you know improve their health from scientifically backed methods and that's the whole thing that we are lacking on social media really is people who have this knowledge but actually disseminating it and disseminating it accurately um people are going to go to wherever they can get the knowledge and some people are just going to go wherever they want to be told you know like it's the, the bias that they already have they want to confirm that bias um but it's just one of those things we have to continuously work at okay um the it's very funny you said that because I was doing um, a campaign with the World Health Organization a little while back on COVID-19. And one of the conversations we were having was combating, it was all based off of like targeting misinformation around COVID-19, the vaccine and everything. One of the things they said was that creating a misinformation campaign takes seconds. It really does, okay? But breaking that misinformation campaign, that statement down for us will take us days because we have to actually do research on that, right? We can't just go out and say, no, that's wrong because people would just be like, well, that's your opinion. That's his opinion. Who do I listen to? We as physicians and, you know, we have to go out and we have to break it with scientific facts. We have to go do our research. Then we have to synthesize it and then be able to state how it applies to what this person is saying and how it, what they're saying is not scientifically accurate. Um, that is, is the hardest part about these campaigns. And that's why I think it's more important that we have more people on social media doing this rather than just like me or like, you know, the handful of 15, 20 other doctors I know who are very active on social media and have very larger, you know, followings than even I do, um, to, you know, combating it. Otherwise, it's just 15 of us really, you know, fighting like a, an onslaught of like work that we just can't keep up with at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, I think I think the trouble is that um they a lot of the information that people consume is consumed in an entertaining way, right? It's the information that's presented in a way for them to be entertained through. And a lot of the scientific nitty-gritty like hyper attentive stuff that we're learning and teaching might not be the most entertaining to the general audience. So, I think you've done a good job of taking that information and applying it in a way that a broad audience would be ready to acknowledge and consume. But I think that that's where we run into those problems of misinformation because you're seeing the people who don't necessarily have all of the backing and the, um, the research behind it, but they know how to present it. They know how to get it to that audience. So like yeah. Liver King, I don't know, like it's entertaining. Might not be the Very most- Very entertaining. Yeah, exactly. So we need to figure out a way of taking the information that we have that isn't necessarily the most entertaining to everybody, but making it entertaining. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I have two things I want to actually add to that. You said it perfectly, really, because the, the main thing that I see is that we as physicians become, uh, we live in this bubble. That's how I describe it. Okay. The second you enter medical school, and then really, in, if you plan on ever leaving medicine or not, but the second you enter, you start living in this hyper-focused bubble of learning just about medicine. And you get so you know knowledgeable in medicine by the end of your training and career. And as you start as an attending, 
You have been doing this one thing for hours and hours on end, six out of seven days a week. Okay. So that's your life. And then without, you know, for lack of a better term, a lot of, a lot of physicians end up losing touch with the average person because most people don't do that. So then you, you probably are taught in med school, Hey, you need to dumb down the information. Dumb would be a, a word, bad word, but you get my point. Like you need to be able to convey this information from a physician understanding, physician level understanding to a general public level understanding, right? So instead of saying, Hey, you're having a myocardial infarction, right? Or instead of saying, Hey, you're having an end stem or stemming, you're going to say, Hey, you might be having a heart attack. Right. So just simplifying them. Now, the same thing applies with social media, right? Making it, you know, or going to where the people are, you know, meeting them halfway. Instead of expecting everyone to understand what we're saying with the terminology we use, we have to make it simple for them and we have to make it understandable at their level because you can't expect the general public to rise to your level of high, such a high level of, you know, education that you had to work at for, for years, for decades, really to get to. Um, I think that means not just making it like easier for people to understand, but also entertaining. Because the simple fact is people do go on social media at the end of the day for an entertainment aspect. That's why these platforms do so well. They have these features that keep us entertained, that keep us honestly hooked to the screen if I'm not, if I'm going to be honest about it. Um, TikTok, for example, it's like a short one minute video. At the most time, your attention, your attention span will be in like the 35, 40 second range if it's a very good video and then you'll click out of it you'll swipe out right and uh, funny story i did this um i did a research project recently um and we're in the process of public publishing it but uh, i was able to present it at multiple like conferences we looked at uh the pub the top ranked videos on tiktok that had to do with seven topics right we did breast cancer obesity smoking cessation or tobacco addiction uh, um, we did uh, hypertension, stroke, and um, uh, just two more. They're eluding my mind right now. But essentially what we did was we looked at the content that was published and we classified it based off of six categories, whether it's educational, entertainment, uh, activism, uh, uh, misinformation, if it was and then um, in other class as well. And then we also classified who the author was. Was it a patient? Was it a medical, a self-identified medical professional? Um, was it a uh, like a, just a general public person from the general audience? Was it news organizations or was it like other types of organizations like the American Heart Organization or World Health Organization? And when we did this, we analyzed almost 5,000, the, the top 5,000 ranking videos um, on TikTok. And uh, obviously, you know, these findings will vary now that social media people are posting all the time. But what we found at the time was that majority of the videos were being posted around these topics were being posted by the patients. Okay. So they were the ones who were leading the conversations on social media related to the disease topics that we were evaluating. Okay. Now that's perfectly fine. We actually want patients to be posting videos because that gives them more empowerment. They're able to essentially take ownership of their disease and be able to educate the public. Um, but the, uh, the second thing we found was that in the medical professionals category, majority of the content that the medical professionals were posting was educational or uh, informative related, right? Informative meaning like awareness related, activism related, okay? That's where they were. But when you, when you uh, reference that to the majority of the content that was being posted by, um, that was being posted, excuse me, 
in general, and you analyze, when we analyze the majority of the content, we noticed that the top ranking videos were always the entertainment and humor videos. What that told us was that medical professionals, they were ranking very low at about 8% because they were going to, our default is, our default is to educate people, right? It's to like inform people. But what they were underutilizing was the fact that people go on social media to be entertained. And that's why majority of these people were doing so well and ranking so high because they were making entertainment related videos. So I think there is a good divide. I think, I mean, there is a good medium place that we can meet where we can educate and still be entertaining without being unprofessional. Uh, but I think we're slowly starting to get there and starting to realize what that means. Um, and I think that's the part that's really exciting for me is new new people, like the new students who are coming into this field of medicine who are bringing in their experiences, but also like bringing in their desire to not only use medicine, just in the little vacuum of the world we live in, which is the hospital or the clinics or like stuff like that, going out into the public and actually educating the people because that's where they are at. That's where our patients are going to be. And that's the only way you're going to be able to make that like connection worldwide with them where you build trust in the medical system that we have to work at, you know, constantly have to work at. That's so, that's actually, that's so exciting. I, I guess um, I'm wondering how medical education then can kind of be like TikTokified, like, the bridge has got to be getting closer and closer, like you're saying, between this entertaining aspect, the educational part, um, finding a space for like humor and everything when it's appropriate. Um, is that like really what this next step for you is going to be, you think? Something that's um, maybe more digestible, but still has that educational component. Um, and yeah. super engaging. To, to add on to that too, I've noticed it on the website, the Mad Medicine website, you like you make it personal to people too. It's not just the purely educational here to the point, but like you're going through and it feels like you're try, like giving us a little bit of entertainment and humor through it too. Like the smiley faces in and throughout it. Um, and it's stuff that it's like, it's a tough topic to talk about. Like, oh, you're about to dive into the dark hole of step one studying but at least there's the little yeah. smiley face like yeah. <laughs> i think I, I think i put a a vomit face actually yeah, step one. <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly you know so part of that 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 development for me was just keeping myself entertained really um because i'm you know it, it it can be very heavy medicine can is a very very heavy field um and there are times where like um you'll have patients who are literally dying on you. You know, like recently I'm working nights and I there are patients who are dying on my shift and I'm the only doctor along with my attending and my, my co-resident, uh, the three of us are covering the entire hospital and you have to have something to kind of keep yourself balanced. Um, that's why I try to take these approaches of more humor. This is my personality. Maybe it's a, maybe it's the de defense mechanism. I don't know. You gotta ask one of, you know, a psychiatrist, he might be able to tell you more about that. But um, for me, that's just how I like to, to educate. That's how I like to teach. And even in my lectures, you'll see, um, and give me tips if I can improve. Uh, but it, in my lectures, I like to kind of take a very like jovial approach and very like simple approach um, in the sense that we're talking about these complex topics. We're talking about these diseases, but really at the end of the day, these are just things you need to know and you're going to apply them, right? 
And we're not talking about patients, we're not talking about anything specific. It's really just for this one exam that we're studying for. So if that's the case, then I want you guys to be comfortable just studying rather than feeling so stressed out and diffusing some of the stress through dumb jokes and you know stupid uh, things on the, on the website. For me, I hope it helps. But you're right, in, in terms of meeting this demand and, and going forward, I think there's, there's a huge need. It's just, it's, it's, getting, it's getting to the point where people are accepting it too, right? So with medical education, I think medical education is changing. I think a lot of places are starting to understand that, hey, these platforms are not going away, you know? And instead of hushing up our attendings and physicians who are working for us from like going on these platforms, maybe we give them the tools to succeed. So I know that Harvard is looking into these programs because we're working with Harvard to see if we can, you know, uh, do more research into this. And there are also other like, you know, big Ivy League programs that are doing it, but also where, where I trained, um, they're also, they were very receptive to doing research in this just because it's a very new field. There has been a lot of research that's been done on social media and, and health education on social media. But as you guys know, it gets outdated very quickly. Like think about TikTok. It came up like two, three years ago. But the research you're going to see on social media is all about Twitter. It's all about YouTube. It's all about Facebook, which is, you know, fine. Now we're starting to do research on TikTok, right? So that uh, people becoming more aware of what's out there in the medical education world and understanding that these are tools that we should be using is something I think is slowly happening. Now, medicine is definitely one of the more sore fields in the world to adopt like resources and technology, but it really goes down to, this is something that we're going to have to take on upon ourselves for the time being um, in order to help advance it really. Um, from my understanding and from, you know, the people I've talked to, there are also a lot of, a lot of companies, like for example, First Aid, uh, USMLE RX, they're creating this tool that allows uh, two things. Number one, it allows students to be able to uh, utilize their notes and post them on this open source website to allow people to learn from their notes. And hopefully they're able to accomplish that. The other thing they wanted to do and they're considering is maybe incorporating these educational videos from you know, Twitter and from TikTok into their own lectures, which would be really cool because think about it. Maybe you're reading about something online. You're talking about, let's say, PSGN, right? Post uh, streptococcal glimmer, you nephritis. And while you're reading about that, or while you're learning about it, you can watch a video of a nephrologist on social media who made a one minute short video. So not only are you being educated, but at the same time, you're kind of getting the entertainment aspect of, you know, that type of stuff, I think would be very cool if companies adopted it and incorporated it. Um, and even with like med school, a lot of like professors who are gonna be younger, who are more in touch with technology, you might see them adopting it more. One of the coolest thing I'm seeing right now on social media is uh, the influx of attendings now coming to TikTok, which is always great for two reasons. Um, number one, it's very entertaining because you know very quickly on, it's like their first time using TikTok. They're super excited. They just don't know. So that, you know, uh, the millennial pause, I don't know if you guys have heard about that, uh, where they start recording and there's like a dead silent for like a second. And then they're, they're just like, is it going? Is it going? Yeah. <laughs> or when they're holding the screen like right next to their face because they can't really see it. And so the yeah. whole screen is just your face talking. Exactly. So they'll have that. But the other reason why it's so funny is because these are the most like 
educated and you know uh, knowledgeable people in our field right and those are the individuals that for us are so good at teaching uh, because they've been doing it for so many years they've been training residents and fellows for so many years that they're able to convey this these complex topics in such a way that i could never do just because i don't have that experience yet okay and they're slowly migrating onto social media. And that is so freaking amazing. There is this ICU guy I watch, uh, Critical Care Now on TikTok. And he teaches critical care ICU concepts about pressors and about like ventilation, sedation, all this stuff. But he makes it so entertaining, like in a way where it's educational, but also it's, it keeps you kind of entertained so you learn it. And those types of tools make a big difference in medical education. There's another guy um, on, on social media uh, who I watch. He makes videos on cardiology and he's a cardiologist. I believe he's an interventional cardiologist. And he was showing um, a BB gun pellet that went into someone's, I guess, uh, their, their venous system and then returned on to the right side of the heart. And you just see this pellet on uh, echo. That's it. On Echo, or it was it was Cath Lab. I don't I don't remember, but I think it was Cath that you see it uh, on the angiogram. But it's so cool to just watch that happen. You just see this little tiny thing in the ventricle just bumping up and down. And then he talked about how that that patient had to actually go into surgery to get it removed because there's no other way for them to like try to get it out. So I mean, like these types of like crazy things, which are just educational but also entertaining at the same time. You know, you'll learn so much, and then. At the same, as you guys progress, you'll see like, hey, you're gaining all this knowledge. And then when you get presented this information, you just need to know the little bit about it. And then you are able to apply your knowledge to it and get more understanding faster than like someone like me or someone like, you know, you guys when you're early on in your career might need. Um, so it's very cool to see that happening. And I hope that becomes a little bit more of a trend uh, in medicine, in like the world of medical education. But, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, I like it because I, I can see how everyone's kind of starting to focus on condensing the information into shorter, like quick videos, quick tutorials. I don't know if you've ever heard of yeah. um, Two Minute Neuro on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. we used them all last block. It's literally just two minutes to teach a full concept that took us a whole class to go over. And the way that he condensed it and presented it with illustrations and visuals was just it was really really good and i think that the yeah. more we can figure that out the more we'll be able to retain as like incoming medical professionals which means we'll be able to uh, progress the field hopefully even more just because of that yeah and things like this that you guys are doing i i don't want to like uh i, I don't want i can't stress enough how important it is to create these types of resources for students as well because really what it goes down to is that someone down the road might have an idea that hasn't been done yet, but they just need to turn to a source of inspiration. And you guys are that too, creating this podcast, working towards it and getting to know all these creators. And somehow, you know, you put this weird guy in mad medicine and, you know, I don't know, sketchy dude, uh, but, you know, creating this entire like educational system that you guys are creating too is very valuable. And you'll realize you may not see it right away, but there are going to be people who are going to listen to the podcast and they're going to gain so much out of it all because of you guys, really. You know, like your your whole, your guests are going to be very knowledgeable, but it's the two of you and, and your team who put it all together, uh, who got everything ready and set it up. That is very important, too, because it makes it it makes people who are, you know, pioneers and who are thinking outside the box 
more comfortable to do so in a system that sometimes can be very restrictive and very, very like difficult to move and you know, do other things in. So, yeah. I'm wondering if um, some of these like really entertaining like stories or experiences could be like that memory hook that you need um, to say, here's this crazy story of a, of a BB pellet getting into the venous flow. Here's how circulation works here. This is our, our preload and afterload with regards to the heart and, and how it moves blood. Um, I think that would be like a really cool kind of way of setting some things up. Um, yeah, it makes me makes me think more about how um, Riley and I are actually thinking about um, doing coinciding kind of step material with the stuff that we're actually learning like in our blocks at school so yeah. that there's this kind of connect because I think our school does like a pretty good job of teaching towards the test but of course there's other stuff that is maybe you know we might not necessarily be tested on and so if we could take this stuff from the week and like do it at least for ourselves and our classmates I think um I don't know I think we could all be better for it I think you guys should do it you know, that, that's one thing I'm like, I'm always going to say. One of the things that uh, I often get asked are people often say like, hey, you know, I want to do this. And like people will ask me just because I have a small following on social media, but um, they'll, they'll ask me that and they'll say, hey, should I do it? And I'm like, yeah, why not? What's stopping you? And they'll yeah, say something like, along the lines. What's the worst that can happen? You know, exactly. But you know what they'll say? They'll say to me, oh, it's already been done before. I'm like, that's never a reason not to do something. Not the you way know? you'll do it. Everyone no, exactly. Do. Exactly. And the way you guys are going to present the information is always going to be different than the way I present the information, right? And and there's no shortage of people out there who want to learn. That's a simple fact. But there is a shortage of people providing information. And that that need is always going to be there. That demand is always going to be there. And that competition really doesn't really exist at that, at that point. So if you're gonna if you're gonna create this material that it's gonna be helpful for your class, I guarantee you it's gonna be helpful for other people too, because the way you're gonna present it is gonna resonate with people that you might not, you know, realize so many more people. Um, and I'm always I'm always gonna say, please do it. Because what it really goes down to is you're not just helping yourself, you end up helping your classmates, you end up you end up helping other people. And there's That's one more thing you want. That's what yeah. it's about. So, but someone told me so at the end of fourth year, you see this light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, you just don't know it's a train, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, good! That's so exciting." <laughs> it's not a lie either, but you know what? At the end of the day, though, you're doing what you've been working. You're like so hard for. You've been working your like ass off. For. You know, through undergrad and through med school and all the BS that you had to put up with and all all the stuff you had to do in like the whole education process and you're finally there. Just remember that. That's what's keeping me going right now. I'll be real with you. In residency, that's what's keeping me going. Yeah. So if you approach it that way, I think it's more manageable. And then obviously take care of yourself, spend time with your family and friends and all that. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff, that small stuff too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we all know about that by now. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's um, that's definitely what I've heard, for, or at least similar sentiments. Not the same thing, but um, 
I don't know. I'm so excited. And just when you get to that finish line, it's going to be crazy, but then there's always going to be something else that you're going for next. And it's just, yeah, which is, it's nice because it'll keep you motivated, but I can see how it gets just exhausting. Absolutely. I think in life you should set goals that are close enough that you can reach them, but far away that you'll never get to it. Okay. So at every step of the way, you're working towards this goal, but at every time you've achieved that goal right before you're about to get it, set the next goal so that you're constantly going. Okay. Like revel in the victories, you know, revel in the things that you are, you know, excelling in but you don't want to get stagnant. And that's kind of what residency is. It's just like med school, you finish med school. That was the end goal. But right before you finish med school, you had to apply and you had to match and you had to do all this fun jazz. So then you match. And then the ending of med school was like this amazing moment. But you also know that in a little bit, you're about to start residency. And in residency, you do the whole fun jazz. And if you want to do a fellowship, you're now you're looking to apply to a fellowship. Or if you're not, if you just want to go to work, um, then you're looking to get a job. It should yeah. always be moving you forward. Yeah, so. I think I've kind of come along those same lines because, you know, as you progress through school and through education, it's a little bit scary too to realize how fast everything goes past when you're always working towards something. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I was really sad to be graduating undergraduate. But then you have the, okay, now I have a whole nother mission in front of me. Yeah. I have to get yeah. through medical school and this is going to take a lot of effort and you're excited about that. So it's always giving you something to keep working towards. And yeah. while you get to have the memories of like the the fun stuff that you did before. Yeah. And I think in hindsight, like there are times in medical school where I was just purely miserable, like nothing about the school. It's just the process. And, yeah. and that's normal. Everyone is going to go through that third year, third year. You will definitely feel it. Sorry guys. So just... great. <laughs> Take care, you know, take care of yourself. That's 100%. I'm just going to say that. But now I look back and being a resident, that, that was some of the, the best times I had in med school was the miserable times because I learned so much and I was finally out of like the, the learning phase in terms of just the classwork, the simple classwork that you're only doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, remember, that. like look on the positive side. If you want to look for the negative things, you will always find them. But if you look at the positive sides, you'll notice that there are small things that are very meaningful in medicine. Like well, the first time, the first time a patient calls you doctor, I still remember. I was like, dang, <laughs> well, like give me chills. I was like, oh, <laughs> not a doctor, but still. You know. nah, it's not me, but that's close. Um, close. Yeah. yeah, I was shadowing last year um, and someone was like, you are way too young to be a doctor. And I was like, that's because I am. But like it's nice that you put me in that group already <laughs> that's that's so funny that's awesome all right well yeah thank you for that 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 is good yeah, advice and it's um it's definitely something that we have to keep in our minds especially going forward because i've gotten trapped in that tough mindset when you're going through yeah. and you're just locked in especially with the winters here and there's nothing else Ooh. to do Ooh. see it we don't get be that in California, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> we don't get that we have a heat wave though it's like 104 so oh that's know. almost as bad Close just the opposite way yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know but yeah it's can't have it all in life yeah so. exactly you can't just have perfect hawaii 80 degree weather all year yeah, round dude. unless you're in hawaii in, in which case you're probably going into like five six hundred thousand dollars in debt because those schools so are much debt. expensive so much those debt schools are so, oh yeah again you can't have it all in life <laughs> <laughs> everything's got a price oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true uh -huh. 
I was wondering if you could speak to maybe a little bit about uh, personality traits or character traits um, of people that are attracted to and then go into internal medicine. I like that. Okay. So uh, one of the main traits I'm going to say is, is really if you want to go into internal medicine or if you're considering a career in internal medicine, before you even consider the end goal in terms of you know, if you want to uh, specialize, understand that you have to go through three years of internal medicine okay, to specialize. What that means is that you have to do something that for three years that you should just keep in the back of your mind. But really, uh, the reason why I went into internal medicine was because I like to have a comprehensive understanding of the entire system, right? So one of the things I loved about internal medicine was that, yes, you know, you're dealing with specialists, you're dealing with like specific disease concepts, but at any day with the new patients that come in, you might be switching from diabetes, maybe a DKA patient or to CHF, like a heart condition, right? To COPD, a lung condition, to AKI, like a kidney condition, right? So you're going from system to system. You might have a stroke patient. So you really need to know a lot about everything. You really have to have a good understanding. And that was really what attracted me to medicine in the first place, really. For me, was the, the human body, like the, comp the complexities that occur within even the smallest processes in our body, right? Um, that's very and that's very fascinating to me. And I think that really helps because you are gonna be seeing a lot of things that you have learned in med school, you know, but then you're gonna be applying the knowledge, you're gonna be learning, and you have to keep yourself motivated to do this like broad, this vast amount of uh, work uh, across a, a variety of topics. So if you are someone who really enjoys learning a lot you know if you really enjoy going into like hey what's going on here if you like to go through that investigative phase of figuring out what's going on then i think internal medicine is a great field you get to see a bunch of things okay like the other day i had patients who like conditions i've never seen before walk into the emergency department right uh we had a patient who had to be uh, intubated um, very young guy, but we have no idea what was going on because when he first presented, nothing made sense. So then we get to play like detective and figure out, hey, what could this be? Could this be cancer? Could this be a seizure? Could this be a, a, a brain bleed? Could it just be trauma? Could it be an allergic reaction? And at times it gets frustrating and sometimes you just don't have the answer, which is, it just is that, you know, we're not, we're not uh, super, you know, a supernatural being. We are just humans and there's only so much we can know. But it's very inter interesting and it's very, in a way, entertaining because you're constantly on your feet, you're constantly learning, and you're constantly keeping the broad picture in mind. Because one thing you learn in med school is that our body is not individual units, right? Like the heart does not function in and of itself alone without any you know, uh, input from the kidneys or the lung, right? not the case if you have COPD if you have a massive PE it can cause right heart strain so a lung condition can cause a heart condition right you could have like cardiorenal syndrome you could have hepatorenal syndrome so the, all of these things in our body all of these systems are interconnected and they affect the other system so if you don't realize that then if I think internal medicine gets very tough um, and if you don't if you don't like that aspect of internal medicine then I think it will be a very grueling three years um, I think that's the main thing about internal medicine. That's what attracted me to it because, you know, the truth is I really enjoy teaching. That's my, that's what I really, really love doing out of everything. If you put everything, you know, uh, at the same line and I was able to rank them, I would put teaching number one. 
And I like teaching medicine because medicine is what I really enjoy. But within medicine, I've enjoyed teaching the most um, with med students or just to my fellow peers. I mean, like fun facts, like, you know, protamine, I'm going to throw a fun fact out there in the middle of this, this, but you yeah. know, protamine sulfate, the reversal agent for heparin, right? So uh, back in the day, they guess where they isolated protamine sulfate from? Guess what uh, animal? Swine. Swine. Okay. What do you think, Jack? So something that coagulates. Well, it it undoes. It reverses. Oh, yeah. I guess technically, yeah. yeah so it would coagulates. be the yeah coagulation yeah. factor. So something that comes up against um uh vampire bats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anti mosquito action. I don't know. No, I love, uh, I love your thought process. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I just picked like the first right. thing that came to my mind. I was like, oh. it's like, no, no, right. no, you guys are both wrong. But it's, oh, great. I love, I yeah. love <laughs> it's, okay. it's good. It's good. It's okay. It's okay. It was you actually uh, salmon. Okay. And now this is where it gets crazy. You're like, oh, salmon, whatever. Uh, they actually isolated from salmon semen. That's where they isolated protein sulfate from originally. Okay. So that's a fun fact. And the thing is, you will. Never forget this, because now you're like, what? Uh, it does, it's, not, it's not happening. I don't think uh, modern-day protein sulfate uh, is is uh, coming from salmon semen. I don't okay. think so, but that's what they originally found. So someone <laughs> was inquisitive enough to figure that out. And now we have a reversal agent for heparin, that's which is crazy. amazing. So if you see someone who has a heparin overdose by accident or is bleeding and you have to reverse heparin, now you know, hey, I got to go to protein sulfate, right? But that that's... And you that can find bleed. a salmon. <laughs> I'll be right back. I gotta, I gotta get my, gotta get my, you know, go get my gotta go to Alaska. I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know if it was wild caught. Don't ask me that. But <laughs> that that's not. That's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think we could make do with any. So I think um, these types of things. It's just very. It's very fun. It's for me. I really enjoyed it, and also because I like teaching on social media to the public, but also to like professionals, you know, students and professionals themselves, you get to learn a very wide variety of information about the human body and things that you just never considered before. And realistically, things you never are exposed to in med school, because there's just so much you're going to learn in med school. You can only learn so much in four years. It's impossible for you to learn everything. Um, I had a patient who had calciphylaxis yesterday, uh, and it was like a case I've never seen before. And it was in you know uh, a very like sensitive area so i had to go out and do my own research on calciphylaxis and understand what is going on here is there anything we can do to reverse it and there unfortunately wasn't and kind of like increase my knowledge so every day i'm learning something new about the human body and that is amazing in my opinion that's what i really liked about internal medicine and if someone out there who's listening to this amazing podcast is considering going into internal medicine uh, and you're kind of teetering, hey, should I, should I not? I think if you really enjoy learning and if it's something about the human body that you want to have a comprehensive understanding, maybe not a very in-depth understanding of, you know, one specific portion, but a comprehensive one, I would say consider internal medicine. Um, it's a very rewarding field. And the other thing is in terms of, you know, job prospects and outlooks, which is something that we often don't talk about in medical school. The simple fact is that there's always a demand for internal medicine physicians, whether you want to be a hospitalist or whether you want to be a primary care doctor, number one. Number two, your ability to practice uh, medicine is 
very, very uh, broad. So you can go into private practice, you can go to academia, you can go into medical consulting, you can go and do anything really with internal medicine that sometimes you might not be able to do with surgery because surgery can become a very technical skill that you have to have. Um, so that's the other thing. And then finally, um, the, some, some of the patients you'll see will always be so grateful. And that's across the field. But I know, you know, it really, I really enjoyed that aspect as well because you get to treat some people um, who sometimes never gotten medical care at all. And I'm there, unfortunately, or fortunately, but I'm their, their doctor and then I get to do the workup in the hospital and kind of give them at least something that they can take home. You know, like, hey, this is where I'm at. Now I need to go. And hopefully they find a, you know, primary care physician to give them my to no care with. But it gets very rewarding too. Yeah. It so. sounds like... Um... Yeah, how you talk about specialization and how specialized the field's becoming in general. It kind of sounds like internal medicine is one of the remaining fields that's your specialization is still everything. Like you're specialized yeah. in knowing broad concepts of everything. Yeah. With the exception, with the exception of pediatrics and ob Right. hundred percent like that. If you really enjoy, if you enjoy everything, which to be completely honest with you, I did not really want to work with children because I don't think I have any need to deal with sick kids. This is not something I want to do, but I really applaud uh, pediatricians out there. And then ob was just one of the, the rotations in med school. I was just not particularly uh, motivated, not motivated, but not particularly like interested in having a career out of. That was just me. So if you like everything, everything, then go to family medicine. You'll have an amazing time. You'll learn a lot. But the the with the caveat of that, yeah, 100%. If you enjoy learning, internal medicine, timing medicine, you will not, you will not uh, stop learning. That's very true. I like it. I feel like we've interviewed a lot of very specialized uh, specialties at this point. And it is nice because it's similar training. You're just learning about so much more different concepts rather than honing in on one small, like paying attention to the tiny details of something. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I, I sometimes struggle with, because look, I'm, I'm early in my career where I'm still considering like a specialty, but at the same time, I'm also considering just working as a hospitalist as an internal medicine doctor, because I genuinely enjoy this. Um, one of the things I really liked, sorry about that. One of the things I really liked about uh, internal medicine also was that if you are the hospitalist, you're going to be dealing with a lot of things, that's for sure. But at the same time, you are essentially like the quarterback, okay? So when, you know, for a sports analogy, when the play has to be run, who really decides it's going to be the quarterback who's running the play, right? He's going to tell the teammate, this is the, this is the play we're going to run. We'll, we'll take the coach out of the analogy for this one, right? But you're like the quarterback. That's where you, that's where you are. So if you're running the play, you're going to call the shots, right? You're going to decide, hey, this is what I want to do. Now, take uh, all the consultants like cardiologists, nephrologists, infectious disease, and you can consider them to be your like linemen and your running back and everything, right? The people who you got to pass the ball to, the ones who are going to make that play. Well, if that's the case, you as the quarterback have to decide, hey, is this lineman the one I want to throw it to? Is this wide receiver the one I want to throw it to? Not lineman, but is this wide receiver, you know, who I'm going to you know, like punt this ball to, or am I going to like run it myself? What am I going to do? Right? And that analogy works works very well with internal medicine because if you are the quarterback, you're going to get all these consultants who are going to come and give you recommendations about what to do about a certain case. But it's on you. It's on you to decide what you want to do. For example, 
let's say you have someone who has uh, a CHF, okay, congestive heart failure. They're fluid overloaded. They have a lot of fluid in their body, but at the same time, they have a kidney uh, injury, AKI going on, okay? You have two things. One physician, like the cardiologist, is going to say, give them Lasix, which is a fluid pill like Frosamide, okay, to pee it out. Get rid of that fluid, get it out of the body so that their heart function improves. The nephrologist is going to say, don't give them Lasix because Lasix affects the kidney and that's going to make their acute kidney injury worse. Give them fluids to help improve the acute kidney injury. So now you have to decide, am I going to give this person fluids, make their CHA, you know, CHA, uh, CHF worse, or am I going to give them Lasix and make their kidney function a little bit lower? Okay. And you get to play that. You are the one who has to decide what's going to be best for the patient at the end of the day, because you have the comprehensive understanding of this case that's being presented. They're going to give the recommendations. Um, so they definitely have an amazing role and there are things that sometimes we just don't know what to do and it's better to bring a consultant, a specialist on board so that they can give their opinion because they have, you know, they're the expert in this topic. Um, but at the end of the day, if you feel like there's something that you need to do in immediately to improve an outcome and then go to it, that's perfectly fine too. So then you become that quarterback and you get to decide what's best for the patient. And I think that's really, really cool. Um, that's something that, I really am enjoying more and more to kind of make those decisions um, and decide, hey, in this case, this would be best for the patient. In this case, maybe this would be a little bit better, right? In this case, I don't know. Let's get the consultant on board. Let's ask them like, you know, like, let's see what they want to do. Um, so it's really, really like a very fun field in that sense. You're constantly, constantly improving and constantly learning new stuff and yeah, that's that's my answer to that's my very long answer, Jack, to uh, the personality traits question. <laughs> no, that's such that's such a good answer. Um, and I think like what you're saying is so valuable too for people that are kind of going through the process to hear and to hear from you because you're passionate about it. And so that really rings true uh, for us, like listening already right now. Um, oh, thanks. I think yeah, no, like seriously, and um. I think the other thing is too, it's important to hear that because there's like a lot of misconceptions and like maybe allure or glamour towards these other things that have been hyped up like in the media or Hollywood with it's the surgeon and whatever. Yeah. Um, but like internal med, it's 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 like the building blocks of the whole field. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Seriously, so, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think and I think there's a lot of things that internal medicine provides that, you know, like down the road, it's something people should consider too, in terms of lifestyle and in terms of flexibility. Um, some surgical fields are a little bit more restrictive on that side. And some specialty fields also like in internal medicine are restrictive too. So keeping those things in mind is very important when you're deciding a career. Um, it sucks because in med school, you're expected to look into your future like 10 years from now i'm like hey am i gonna want to do this i don't know what's gonna happen 10 years from now but um try to have that insight and just try to see hey where might you see yourself going 10 years and will you enjoy this work will you enjoy doing what you're doing for the next 10 years minimum because if you don't then it's okay it's okay if you don't then we just got to find you something that you do enjoy and have you go towards there instead and then just I think one of the last things I wanted to ask for the um, general audience and the younger students who might not know what you can do with internal medicine residency, 
um, what are the options in terms of fellowship or going into the working field, like right out of internal medicine, medicine residency? That's a, that's a great question. Um, so there are two main things you can do with internal medicine. So essentially when you graduate medical school and you start internal medicine, it's a three-year residency. Okay. So you're going to go through your intern year and then two years of uh, residency training, and then you're going to become an internal medicine doctor. Um, obviously that doesn't mean you've learned everything in life that you need to know. You're going to continue learning no matter what. But one of the cool things about internal medicine is that there are so many options you can do. I think of all the fields in medicine, and I would even say including general surgery. So it's right, you have two tracks. You can go, you can go surgical track or you can go to medicine track. Um, and then you have the other tracks like psychiatry, neurology, but I'm going to classify them in medicine, in the medicine world, okay? Anything that's surgical, like procedure-based, I'm going to say it's surgical. So like ophthalmology is technically surgical. Uh, ENT is surgical. Urology, these are all surgical specialties. They may not be general surgery related, but they're surgical. So if you go into the medicine world um, and excluding psychiatry, really in internal medicine specifically, you have like kind of the world at your, like at your hands at that point. So you can go into a specialty and you can do kind of any of the specialties through internal medicine, really. There are very few specialties that you cannot do through internal medicine. So for example, uh, I think the only one that I can think of off the top of my head are the psychiatry specialties, like child psych, addiction psych, not addiction medicine, that's a different, it's related to addiction psychiatry, but it's from the medicine side. You can't do the addiction psychiatry. Um, and then the other one that you can't do, I believe is pain management. Maybe some locations were, but usually that's either through psychiatry or through anesthesia that are able to do pain medicine. Uh, oh, and I think PM&R too might be able to do it. I have a feeling. But really what you have uh, is the ability to go into anything. So you can go into sports medicine, cardiology, the whole, you know, the major system. So cardiology, nephrology, uh, kidney doctors, you can become a GI doctor, gastrointestinal tract, and then you can become uh, a, a liver hepatologist after that. Um, you can become a allergist, immunologist, rheumatologist, autoimmune diseases. You can go into any of these specialties. Um, and that's very interesting because maybe you don't want to do internal medicine for the rest of your life because you feel like it's too much information you got to do. And there might be aspects of the job that you completely dislike and you know it's going to be a complete turnoff for the rest of your life if you're doing it. But you enjoy, let's say, allergy or maybe you have had allergies and it's a personal thing you want to go into or maybe you have an autoimmune condition and you want to go into that. So you want to do rheumatology. Um, that is very, like, that's the trajectory you can go into really anything. So that's the advanced, like, you know, training track. So like fellowship and then uh, subspecializing. If you want to do like GI or cardio and you never want to practice, um, shout out to all my cardiology and GI homies out there. We're not attacking y'all. But, um, you know, you're working a lot. It takes a long time, right? So depending on what you want to do, your fellowship can be between two and three years. And um, after that, if you want to become advanced trained, it might take like one or two years as well. So if you want to become like an interventional cardiologist, the people who go in and put in stents into the coronary vasculature of the heart, um, and they're able to open it up during a heart attack that's going on, you need to be trained for another year to do that. So there's no shortage of training. That's absolutely, you can become very specialized in medicine and be that one guy world renowned for that one specific thing that everyone sends their patients to. Oh, and I forgot to say hemonc, uh, hematology, oncology, like cancer doctors as well. So yeah, that's that one thing you can do and practice. And obviously, if you go into those fields, uh, some of them pay more handsomer than others, but those fields that pay more, you also work a lot. Like it's not, you know, don't think of it as 
you're not you're just gonna be chilling out and they'll be like hey we got a patient you'll be like yo do this do that and peace out i'll see you know no like if you're gonna get paid for it you're working so no one you know isn't working their butt off uh, in the hospital um, and that's a real consideration in medicine that I don't think that we talk enough about. It's not all about money, but it is a consideration that you have to take into, you know, when you're deciding what you're doing. Um, then the other option, if you don't want to specialize, is go straight to work. Okay. And that's where it's also really crazy um, in terms of how internal medicine works. Because you've gone through internal medicine, you can do almost anything really you want to do with the exception of certain things, right? Like you, can, you can't do surgery, obviously. But you can go and practice as a hospitalist, which is the doctor in the hospital who takes care of the patients who are inpatient, right? So you only do hospital medicine if you enjoy working in the hospital. You can be a primary care doctor where you really just do clinic work and you have a primary care clinic of like patients who you take care of and that's who you manage if you really like doing traditional like clinic medicine. You can also go into um, doing like a locum work, which is essentially go to underserved regions and you could travel there for like, you know, a um, couple of days out of a month, right? Like maybe half the month you work there and then the other half the month you stay at home. Um, but sometimes they're in very rural places. Some people don't like that, but that's always an option. Um, the other thing you could do is create like, you know, um, uh, aesthetic clinics, okay? Like med, med spas uh, and where you, do, you can do like Botox injections. You can do different types of like for small procedures that are very safe to do um, like some of the uh, fat uh, burning or like the cool sculpting things that you can do. That's very, a lot of people like doing that. It's very rewarding because you can tell people lose weight. You could go into something, a new field that's coming up called concierge medicine. Really what it means is that um, instead of having such a massive load of patients who you are expected to take care of, you could take care of a very select number of patients who are you know willing to give you a upfront uh, fee or retainer fee to for you to be their physician and be available to them as they need them, okay? Um, so there's so much you can do in the world of medicine. And then that's just like medical training, medical practice, really. You can work as also like a nocturnist where you only do nights, what I'm doing right now. Uh, it's very disorienting to your circadian rhythm. So just know that, but it's very, you know, it's good learning too. But then uh, outside of medicine with internal medicine, you can do honestly anything really. Um, you could go into consulting, you can go into academics, you can go into teaching, you can go into even tech. So there's a huge demand for physicians going into these social media companies because the issue that they're seeing if not through COVID was that, you know, they need to have proper guidance to handle these like topics and to be able to handle these issues that are popping up on social media. And there's no one better trained than us physicians, really, right? We're the ones who are trained to do that. So if you're a physician and you have this background, you have this understanding, you can then go work for a tech company and bring that, you know, medical perspective, but apply that knowledge and that medical perspective to a whole different industry. And there's a whole world of that happening with consulting that's very useful for physicians to be in. And then you could start your own business. So really there's honestly anything you can do with internal medicine. The more specialized you get, sometimes it can be a little bit harder to do any, like very much, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, case in point, uh, the world of hematology and oncology, um, back in the day, a lot of hemonc doctors would create their own practices. Um, but because the overhead has gotten so high for them in order to purchase the chemotherapeutic medications are so expensive, they have, they can't, you know, pop up their own shingle. So those are things that, you know, it's changing in the world of medicine, but yeah, there's never ending, you know, uh, possibilities with internal medicine. 
I love it. And I, you know, it, it really shines through how passionate you are about the field itself. Uh, whether, whether you do that intentionally or not, it's very, very yeah. obvious. And that clearly means something about the people that go into it as well. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, just quick summary for anyone who's wondering about it. It's a world of unlimited potential. If you know you want to do the medical, like medicine side of medicine, internal medicine is the way to go. You have so many opportunities outside of that. Um, I think it's, it's a really, really neat opportunity to learn all the building blocks for everything medical. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's like medical school, but like 3.0, you know, like (laughs) you're expected to do three, four times the amount of work that you did in med school, but you're learning. Well, don't pitch it like that. No one's going to. All the gunners are like, all right, we're going to switch to medicine. Let's do it. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Jack, you got any, any other serious ones? I think, no, I think the sick thing that happened was like we covered all these really good points that so I want many to other questions. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm super happy. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I, we really, really appreciate it. Um, and I know we're, we're kind of coming up on the end of the time here anyway. Oh, so man. I know, right. <laughs> it goes fast. It really yeah. does. Yeah. I wanted to do like a lot of times we've tried to do like our top picks of some kind of genre that relates to whoever our esteemed guest is. And so um, sometimes it goes a little bit long because we, 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 we have five minutes. A little bit. So we so got to, you want to do like, do you want to just like pick our top, our top one or top one still let's, let's do the top one and then like explain it. Okay. So um, it would be like our favorite depiction in pop culture of a medical figure, medical person. Um, so it could be like in music, online, TV, movie, um, okay. literature. So, uh, yeah. So we'll all go around. One. If, yeah, if Jack, you want to start so yeah, that. Uh... Okay. All right. So mine is like, it's so, uh, it's so off, but I love <laughs> the movie uh, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> And he's the doctor. And I was like, when I was way younger, I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> I want to commit fraud. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually talking about that on another one, um, talking about how you, you find yourself rooting for the bad guy sometimes in the movies. Yeah. And you're like, do it, do it, commit the fraud. Or just like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a good one. I think that my... Is, yeah. Okay, TV show, I would go with House because House is just, it's entertaining. He's a horrible doctor. Yeah, yeah, but it's entertaining. So anyone listening to any of the residencies listening to this, that's not how I plan to be, okay? I just, I find the show entertaining. That is so funny. Um, That's a good one. And the movie, which I guess this is really laying on me not liking um, good physicians, Hotel Artem Hotel Artemis. That's a good movie. But again, that is a good, that's a good movie. Not not the doctor I'm aspiring to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, I would say um I, I can't think of a movie off the top of my head, but I can think of um a show. Do you guys ever watch Silicon Valley? Have you guys ever seen that show? 
there's a there's a doctor in Silicon Valley. So it's, a, it's about like the startup in Silicon Valley. And uh, the main character has to go to a doctor. And he goes to the doctor multiple times because he gets stressed out. He gets anxious because he's running this, you know, multi-million dollar company. Every time he goes to the doctor, the doctor pitches him like a an app idea in the middle of like the physical exam. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world. You know, it's like this guy's here complaining about like, you know, I'm having this chest pain. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think about an app? You know what I mean? And it's, it's so entertaining. It's so funny. Cause I, cause I could see some people doing that. Absolutely. You know, um, that would be my like favorite pop culture reference. Uh, if not the new Drake, you know, the new Drake song is, uh, making the, all the medical oh, professionals the, very um, happy. Yeah. The video, yeah. the music video for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think we just proved our point that, um, entertainment is what we look for and not necessarily the actual educational aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah. Wow. That was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I liked you guys' examples. That was dope. All right. Seriously, I don't think we can thank you enough. This was really fun. So cool. We'll we'll definitely reach out afterwards. Hopefully, hey. we can stay in contact. Um, uh, thank you for having me, Jack. I really appreciate it. This was phenomenal, and I love what you guys are doing. And uh, we're, you guys are going to make this very successful. And if there's anything, seriously, I can do to help you guys along the way, don't hesitate, ever. You guys we, got my information, so, you know, yeah, use it. We appreciate you. <laughs> All right. If you guys are still listening, thank you so, so much for supporting the podcast. This is unfortunately the end of the episode, but as always, Jack and I have left our emails in the description of this episode. Please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions for us as medical students, if you have any questions that you would like us to ask on an episode, if there are any specific specialties that we have not done that you would like us to do or if you know anyone who would like to come on the podcast and give advice to prospective students or to residents or to fellows, please, please, please reach out. We love you guys. Thank you for supporting, and we will see you next episode.